Hello, this is Pastor Ken from Alabaster House, and you're listening to the Alabaster House podcast. It's our desire to see every believer equipped with the tools for living and expressing the kingdom of God in the world around them. Be sure to join us online at alabasterhousechurch.com. You can find us at Alabaster House PA on Facebook. And be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast. Also, leave a review if you can. This helps us out in the ratings. We greatly appreciate you listening, and we trust that you will be encouraged and equipped by the Word of God today. All right, well, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 7. Tonight, I want to talk to you about praying with expectation. Uh, Jesse and I were talking the other day, and we were talking about Smith Wigglesworth. You guys know who he is? If you don't, I would encourage you to look him up. He was a powerful Pentecostal preacher in the early 1900s who had some amazing testimonies, including, I think, two or three uh, dead raisings. Is that right? That could be. I can't confirm that, but I'll... Anyway, he did raise some people from the dead. One man, if I remember right, was in his... had just died in his bed, and Smith Wigglesworth took him out of that bed and pushed him up against the wall. And if you know Smith Wigglesworth, he probably didn't just push him. He used to say, I don't punch people, I punch the devil when people get in the way. So, <laughs> But he had a, a lot of powerful miracles, many of them confirmed, not just rumors or superstition, but many of them confirmed. And uh, we were talking and I made the comment, as, as many testimonies as he has of people being miraculously healed, I wonder how many people he prayed for and didn't see anything happen. And I think it's a valid question. Because the history books are probably just going to record the highlights. And we know Jesus, every person that Jesus prayed for, something miraculous happened. But uh, even though we're striving to be like Jesus, I can tell you, For me personally, I'm not there yet. However, with that said, I have seen, and I'm sure many people in this room have also seen, God do miraculous and powerful things. You know, I could share some stories with you, spinal stenosis being healed and other things that kind of run through my mind of things that we've seen over the years. But I do have to be honest with you tonight, and I will be the first to admit that I have to think that I've probably prayed for more people and didn't see something happen than people that I've prayed for and seen things happen. And I think that it's okay for us to talk about that. You know, in Christianity, I think sometimes we feel like we can only share the things that we have had victories in. But I think there's also a place for us to share areas, I don't want to say failure, but at least of us falling short in certain areas because we are pressing on and we are trying to get to a certain place. 
where we see more than what we see now. And this isn't a message specifically on miracles. It's about a message on prayer and that all of us should understand that no matter what we see, as many people as I've seen healed, uh, there's more people that I've prayed for and haven't been healed. But I have determined in my heart to stay in a place of expectation no matter what my experience has been. So, you know, I could be very honest with you and tell you about the three people that I prayed for that had cancer and I have performed all three of their funerals. And that wasn't very fun. It was hard, to be honest with you, while we were praying and expecting for a miracle to happen and then having to watch one of them literally breathe their last breath and then a week or so later, you know, be at their funeral. <laughs> I can tell you, it's very challenging to be in the hospital room praying for this person to be healed and then the next week you're doing their funeral. It's not fun. It's not enjoyable, but it's real. And I'm sure that all of us at some point have faced something similar to that. And I want to be honest with you enough tonight so that you understand where my heart is. And that is, even though I've seen that side of it, I would pray for another person with cancer tomorrow and still have expectation that God is going to do something, regardless of the three funerals that I've done in the past, because that's where we have to stay. We have to be determined that regardless of our experience, because our experience doesn't dictate scripture, scripture should dictate our experience. And I love what Paul said uh, he said that God has put all things under his feet, that his there is man. God has put all things in subjection to us. And then he said, but we don't yet see all things. But we see Jesus. So Jesus is always our example. And even in those times where we don't see something come into submission to our authority, we can still look to the person of Jesus. Dan Moeller says, uh, if it isn't in the tongue of Jesus or in the life of Jesus, don't let it be in your tongue or in your life. And there's no place in there where somebody came to Jesus and said, Jesus, uh, you know, will you heal me? And Jesus said, well, it's not your time. You know, it's not God's will. I always think it's funny people say, you know, the timing of God. Well, Mary came to Jesus and said, Jesus, they need water into wine. And do you know what Jesus said to her? He said, it's not my time. <laughs> like literally, there was the scripture for qualifying it's not time. But what did Jesus do? He made water into wine. So literally, it wasn't his time. But Mary was able to pull on something and, and bring what wasn't in the timing of Jesus into her time. So there's a lot of things that we say. There's a lot of things in our vocabulary. But if you don't see it in Jesus, don't let it be in you. And so in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7, Jesus is talking about praying. Um, and he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock 
and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. And then he goes on to begin to describe the nature and the character of God. And he says, or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So he's describing now, after prayer, he's describing the nature of God. And, and he's, he uses the illustration that if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does God know how to give good things to those who ask him? Ask him. And so asking is a huge part of prayer. And I don't have, you know, this little house on the prairie theology. We watch the little house on the prairie and I love the show. And every now and then they talk about God. But every time they talk about God, the theology is just really bad. I remember Carolyn once time said, we're not we're not we're, we're he wants to know if we're worthy of his love or something like that. Well, Carolyn. Yeah, he went to the cross. You're worthy. <laughs> that was enough. And then uh, they had a miscarriage. And so Laura runs away from home and goes to the top of the mountain. And at the top of the mountain, she meets this man named Jacob. And it's supposed to be God. And she asked Jacob if he would take her instead of the baby. And it's just this whole little, this little thing. But like the theology is really bad. And I, there was one episode I remember where they were talking about it's not right to pray for yourself, that you should only pray for other people. Well, that's just foolish. That's just bad theology. Yes, you're supposed to pray for other people and you're supposed to intercede, but you understand when Jesus said, your heavenly father will give good things to, to those who ask him. Ask and you shall receive. Jesus said what in another scripture, whatsoever things you ask for believing. So where's the limitation in that? Where's limitation in whatsoever? Like you have a license to ask for whatsoever. You know, the word of faith people got in a lot of trouble years ago because we were asking God for Cadillacs and Mercedes Benz, whatever. Like as far as I'm concerned, ask away. My kids do. And sometimes they get what they asked for. And I think that it's the same way with our God, who is not just God, but as we sang tonight, he's Abba Father, which is Daddy God. He is Daddy God. It's a term of endearment. And that's how Jesus referred to God as Father. It's Abba, Daddy God. So ask away. Charles Spurgeon said, if you believe in prayer at all, expect God to hear you. If you do not expect, you will not have. God will not hear you unless you believe he will hear you. But if you believe he will, he will be as good as your faith. And that's what I want to talk to you tonight about expectation in prayer. 
uh, this verb tense here uh, with seeking, asking, and knocking is not just a one-time thing, but it is a continual. It's continual seeking, continual asking, and continual knocking. So it is not to just pray one time or to just ask once. It's the persistent widow, which Jesus gave us as an illustration. And he opened up the parable by saying, uh, or the Bible says, he told this parable so that we would pray and not give up. The persistent widow. And what did she do? She continually went to the judge. The judge in the story was her problem. The judge was not God. The judge was her problem. And the judge said, lest by her wearying me, uh, I'm going to give her what she's asked for. Otherwise, she's just going to keep on coming. She's just going to keep on asking. So I'm just going to give her what she wants. And then Jesus said, And how much more will God avenge the elect who cry out before him day and night? Persistence. But you understand that persistence comes with expectation. That we are confident that as we ask God, God is going to answer. Whether he answers today or tomorrow or a little while from now. But our expectation is that as I'm asking, God is opening up a pathway for me to receive the things that I'm asking for. Let me take you to Romans chapter 4 and verse 17. Now, I want you to understand that the reason that I want to talk about this tonight is because there have been some things recently that we've been praying for and we just haven't seen it happen yet. And so, instead of going to a place of frustration or a place of doubt, it's best to, as uh, David said in the Psalms, encourage yourself in the Lord. And remind yourself of of what Scripture says, of what the Bible says. And in Romans chapter 4 and verse 17, it says... um, I've made you a father of many nations, talking about Abraham, in the presence of him who he believed, God, who gives life to the dead. And then look at this and calls those things which are which do not exist as though they did. And now it's talking about Abraham here. And it says who, contrary to hope, in hope, believed. In other words, there was no hope in the situation to stand on. But Abraham, through an act of faith, brings hope into the situation because of what God told him. What did God tell him? God told him, you're going to be the father of many nations. Your children are going to be more numerous than the sand on the seashore, more numerous than the stars in the sky, right? What was the problem, though? They didn't have any children. And not only was that not a problem, it was compounded by the fact that Abraham and Sarah were getting older. Old. Every now and then, Krista, you know, she gets on Facebook and it shows you your memories from, you know, 10 years ago and the pictures of the kids pop up, you know, when they were just little. And you get that little stirring in your heart. I love toddlers. Like, I wish somebody would just loan me a toddler so I could just hold it 
carry it around until it started crying, then I give it back. Because you miss that age, right? You don't realize how quickly it goes. You miss that age of holding them, of them wanting to be on your lap and all of that stuff. But every now and then, Krista will mention about, you know, having a baby or something. And I think for a little while. A little while. And then I realize, like, I'm going to be 47 this month. It's three years away from 50. may not be old for you, but it is for me. And I don't want a baby. Like, it sounds nice, right? It's like having a puppy. It sounds nice. They're cute. But then they pee on your floor. And they shed. And then all of a sudden, it's not so nice. So Abraham and Sarah, they're far beyond 50. They're 100. And the Bible says that Sarah's womb was dead. Like, I don't remember when God came to Abraham and told him. I don't know if the Bible tells his age when he gave him the promise. It probably does. I'm thinking maybe his 30s or something like that. And how many of you know God comes and says, you're going to have children. You're going to have Lots of children. And Abraham's probably thinking, you know, the next, next month she's going to come and tell me she's pregnant, right? Like 30. And then 31, and there's no kids. And then 35, and there's no kids. And then 40, and there's no kids. And then 50, but there, yet there's this promise you're going to have children. And now 50, and there's no kids. And now 60, and there's no children. And then, but what's he doing? He's not giving up. Remember Zechariah, the, the father of uh, John the Baptist? The angel came to him and said, Zechariah, Zacharias, the prayer that you no longer pray has been answered. There was a time when he was praying for children, and then finally the time came where he thought in his mind, it's, fine, it's over, there's no point in praying anymore, right? No point in praying anymore, and the angel says, the prayer that you no longer pray has been answered. See, the prayer was already answered, just not the way Zechariah expected it to happen. Not in the time frame that he expected it to happen. Now, don't use that as a point of theology to say it's not God's time. But the prayer was answered, and for Abraham, it's kind of the same situation, only a little bit different. That is that Abraham kept holding on to hope. Holding on to expectation, uh, who contrary to hope, in hope believed. And because of that, because of hope and believing in the hope, he became the father of many nations. It wasn't just because God had spoken it, it was because Abraham held on to the thing that God had spoken. And continued to walk in hope according to the promise that God had given him. Verse 19. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old. In other words, even at 100 years old, Abraham was still saying, I'm capable, I can do it. And the reason why it starts with this thought where it says God calls those things that do not exist as though they did 
is because Abraham was doing the very same thing. Taking on the nature of God in this situation. And can I tell you that that's a lot like what prayer looks like sometimes? Is looking at a situation and even though we know what scripture says, we know what's promised. But we see this situation in front of us where someone is sick or there's a need or there's something happening and we're praying for it. Sometimes prayer just looks like calling those things that it do not exist as though they did. So, Father, I, we thank you for new lungs for Dean, right? Amen. We thank you for uh, strength in his body. We thank you for strength in Barb's body. Lord, we, we thank you that they are strengthened right now. In Jesus' name. So you begin to call those things that are not as though they are. This is what God does. This is the nature of God. And you can take on the nature of God even in your own prayer. What did God do? He spoke the whole world into creation. When there was nothing here, he just spoke it as though it was. And as he speaks it as though it is, let there be light. And there was light. Because he spoke it into existence. The power of life and death is in the tongue. And you better be careful how you wield that, especially in your prayer closet. Can blessing and cursing come from the same spring? Brethren, it ought not be so. Can, salt, can sweet water and bitter water come from the same source? James says. You know, Abraham wasn't going around saying, oh, God, you promised me this and it's not happening. It's not going to happen. And what are you waiting so long for? And I'm almost dead and Sarah's almost dead. And look how old she is. That's not what he was doing. The whole time he's staying in a place of expectation. Staying in a place of faith, a place of anticipation, which is what hope means. The word hope in the Greek means to anticipate. But I like this. Uh, definition even more. It means confident expectation. You are going to get what you hope for. Verse 22 says, uh, or we'll go with 20. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform perform and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness you know what I love about this story is it doesn't tell you about Abraham's mistake does it he did make a mistake right Haggai and Ishmael he tried to take matters into his own hands and oftentimes that's where we get ourselves into trouble try to do what God had promised he was going to perform. We try to get it done on our own, and then we end up with Ishmael's. But it was credited to him as righteousness, and because of the righteousness that was accredited, accounted to him, it actually eliminates, it covers over the mistake that Abraham had made. Because of his confident expectation, God... You're going to do this. And you understand that Abraham was in a, in a situation where only God could do it. He couldn't make it happen on his own. He tried. He failed. 
wasn't going to happen unless God made it happen. So he stays in a place of faith and he stays in a place of expectation, waiting for the promise of God to be fulfilled. Hope is everything. You know, when you're growing up, many of us in this room have probably been told a time or two, don't get your hopes up. Right? It's a common phrase. Isn't it amazing how many common phrases we adapt into our Christian vernacular? Don't get your hopes up. Everything happens for a reason. God won't give you more than you can bear. There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is destruction. And that's where these phrases come from. Don't get your hopes up. Well, the Bible tells us that hope is everything. Hope is the anchor of our soul, according to Hebrews chapter 6. The anchor of your soul. So that when you're in these situations and you're facing circumstances or sickness or whatever, your soul is anchored in hope so that regardless of what you see in your natural, through your natural eye, your soul is well. It is well with my soul, as the songwriter wrote. And you know... That when he wrote that song, he was passing over in the ocean, the very place where his daughter and wife had been killed in a ship accident. Horatio Spafford took the same route that his wife and daughter had perished in. And when they came to the spot where they had went under and drowned and lost their lives, he wrote that song, It Is Well. With my soul. It can be well with your soul. Regardless of what situation you're facing. As long as you don't lose your hope. And that's why the Bible says in Proverbs. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope is everything. In Christianity. Because it is the confident expectation. That God is going to do something. I have asked. Therefore, I shall receive. I have knocked. Therefore, the door will be open. I have sought. Therefore, I will find. These, these have to be solidified in your heart as you're pursuing God, even in the midst of things that you don't understand. Abraham couldn't have understood why God would have waited till he was 100 years old to let him have a child. But the whole time, the whole time, he's anchored in hope, not wavered, not moved. I think of uh, stories from the New Testament, Jesus. I like, uh, you know, there's, there's only a few people that Jesus, the Bible says, told them they had great faith. Uh, there was the Syrophoenician woman. She was a foreigner, and she came to Jesus and asked him to heal her daughter. And Jesus said, should we take the crumbs from the master's table and throw them to little dogs? Not the most polite thing to say, but Jesus was checking her heart, which Jesus liked to do a lot with people. He was checking her heart. Are you in a place of expectation? 
Are you going to get offended? Are you going to allow hope to be deferred because of the position of your heart? And she said, Lord, even dogs lick the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And Jesus, the Bible says, uh, was impressed with her faith and said, daughter, uh, go home. Your faith has made your daughter well. And he was, he admired her for her faith. And then there was also the woman with the issue of blood. If I would just touch the hem of his garment. Uh, the paralytic man who they lowered down. Jesus was impressed with their faith. Oftentimes, sometimes he would say, your faith has made you well. And out of all of these people that we could think of where Jesus was uh, impressed with their faith, so to speak, there's actually only one where the Bible says Jesus marveled at their faith. Now, this word marveled is only used two times in the New Testament. The first time it's used is in Nazareth when Jesus gets up and reads the scroll and then they reject him as a prophet. The Bible says Jesus marveled at their unbelief. And then the second time it's used is when the centurion comes to Jesus. You remember the story. The centurion comes to Jesus and says, my servant is at home and he's sick, but you just speak the word and I know he'll be made made well. And the Bible says Jesus marveled at his faith and even said, I've not seen such faith in all of Israel. And why was Jesus so impressed with this man's faith? I think it was because of the level of his expectation. If you just speak the words, it's like the woman with the issue of blood. If I just touch the hem of his garment. If you just speak the word, I know that my servant will be made well. And Jesus marvels at his faith. And it was because of this man's level of expectation. You know, sometimes I think we... we we shortchange God a little bit. I mean, we have all these scriptures, right? Uh, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible for those that believe. Whatsoever things you ask, you shall receive. God, all these amazing scriptures. But do we ask God at the same level in which he promises? Whatever thing you ask for, you shall receive. Now, if my kids heard me say this, you know, they'd be going home and asking for Xboxes and, you know, and sometimes it happens. I remember one year, my kids were little, but they wanted a Wii. The Wii just came out. Remember the Wii? So much fun. Bowling and playing tennis. And my kids wanted a Wii and... I had, uh, for my birthday, I had like two or three hundred dollars, and I was going to go buy a Wii. And I had found out that a pastor friend of ours in South America was going through a difficult time, so I took my birthday money and I sent it to him. So, no Wii. Well, a lady in our church had found out that I did that, 
and she had also found out that our kids wanted a Wii. So for Christmas, there was a Wii underneath the Christmas tree. And I just happened to think that my kids at some point in time were up in their bedroom saying, God, please give us a Wii. (laughs) Whatsoever things you ask for, believing, believing, having hope, having expectation, having anticipation that God is going to do something. Whatsoever things you ask for, believing, you shall receive. So I'm not going to put any limitations on that. If you want to pray for a boat, go right ahead. I am. If you want to pray for whatsoever things, it doesn't matter. A lost family member, because how many of you know that's, that's important too? People to be set free and healed and all of those things. Yes, all of those things are, are important. But let's not shortchange God because God is able to do abundantly above more than we could ever hope for or ask for. That's what your Bible says. So all things are possible with God. Nothing is impossible with God and nothing is impossible with those who believe. But I would also add to that those who have confident expectation. That God is able to perform what he says he can perform. And so the centurion comes, Jesus, just speak a word, just speak a word. Confident expectation, Jesus marvels at his faith. And Jesus says, go, your servant's been made whole. And the man goes home and there it is. He's healed completely. Why? Because he had expectation. Jesus, if you just say the word, I know it will happen. Sometimes we shortchange God, I think. He's able to accomplish more than we could ever hope for or ask for. What are you asking God for? It's okay to ask him for the little things, but I want to encourage you tonight to ask him for some impossible things. Set your hope on the expectation that God is faithful and that God is able to To do what he says he can do. What is promised to you as a believer. And listen. Don't allow the things of the past. Or what you've experienced. Or the prayers that you think weren't answered. To have any effect. On the prayers that you're now praying. I know a pastor in West Virginia. He gave a prophetic word to a young couple one time. That they would have a child. Uh, the wife had uh, endometriosis and some other woman problems, and the doctors told her, you, you can't have children. And the pastor on a Sunday morning, that's a bold word, by the way. And the pastor came to them and said, you're going to have a child. And a short time later, she got pregnant. And they discovered while she was pregnant that the, that the baby had some heart defects and it had some problems and so even when it was time to deliver they were already prepared to take that baby immediately into emergency surgery which is what they did and long story short they spent about six months in the hospital Chris and I went to visit them it was one of the most amazing things I'd ever seen because 
they had actually cut a hole in the rib cage where the baby's heart was and placed a piece of clear tape over it, and you could literally see the heart beating inside the baby's chest. And I'm telling you, we prayed, prayed for that child. The pastor was praying. The whole church was praying. We were all fasting, believing that something was going to happen. And the baby died. See, I hate that. I, I, hate, it for, I hate it for us. And I think the reason that I hate it is because it creates this hopelessness in us that in the next situation that I face that's similar, I'm going to remember what happened and transpired. I'm going to let the emotions of that situation affect my hope so that if I see that again, I might not be so willing to really go after faith. Are you with me? And so the baby died and you know, we ministered to the parents and did the best we could, I guess, in the situation. And it was it was sad. But the wife who was unable to have children, according to the doctors, had another baby. And his name is Luke. And he's still alive and thriving today. And see, Luke has a brother who one day, because we think temporary, we think in the now, God sees eternal. And one of these days, that mother and that father and that little brother will be reunited with their brother and their son who's already in eternity. And they'll get to live with him forever and ever. You see, there's no losing in the kingdom of God. It's just the way that you perceive it and the way that you look at it. It is eternal. And that's the goodness of God. I think about these babies that are aborted, you know, and abortion is, it's an awful thing. It's an awful thing. It's demonic. But you understand that the, even in that, the enemy doesn't win. You think about all these children and the, you know, the, it's dysfunction and made the mother didn't want them, the father didn't want them. What was their future going to look like? Who knows? But what we do know is what Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So see, the devil still doesn't win. Because all of those babies and all of those children <clears throat> have just slipped right into eternity. And now forever, forever, they're in the presence of Jesus. And one of these days, we'll get to see them. And uh, it'll be glorious. So, with that said... Let expectation rule your prayer life. Whatsoever things you ask for, believing, it shall happen. But what about the time I prayed and it didn't happen? What about the time I prayed and I saw this happen? What about the time? Listen, hope is the anchor of your soul. Stay in faith, stay in expectation, and the next time you're faced with a similar situation in what you felt like was a defeat over here, 
Let faith arise. Let your expectation arise. Let your hope arise. And just continue to go after that thing until you see breakthrough happen. Jude says we are contending for the faith. It's a boxing term. One blow after another. You just keep on beating on that thing until you see breakthrough. Amen. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just thank you tonight. God, we thank you that you are faithful. You're faithful, Lord. And you are good. We thank you for Jesus and his example that he's given to us. And Father, I pray that your people would be so full of faith and so full of expectation, so full of hope, even when it's contrary to even hope. But we would be like Abraham who in hope believed. So Lord, we lift up every situation that's represented in this room, every situation to those that may be watching online. Lord, everything that we look at and we see impossibilities, we don't see answers, we don't see solutions. Father, I pray that there would be a faith and a hope that would arise within us that would cause us to go forth and declare those things that are not as though they are. That we would pray in faith, believing. Just as Jesus said, you speak to the mountain and command it to be cast into the sea. It will move when we believe and do not doubt. So Lord, we pray for every mountain to be moved. Every situation to move in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Why don't you stand for just a moment? I want us to do something just a little bit different tonight. But if you're here and and you have a, a situation and you you would describe it as a situation where you need God to move in this situation. I just want you to slip up your hand if that's you. I need God to move. I need God to move. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There were several hands that went up, but I just want to ask you, just just hold your hand up for just a moment. 
and I want us to agree together. So if, if you're out there and you see some people with their hand up, I just want you to go over near them. And let's just pray for each other for a moment. Thank you, Father. Lord, we speak to every situation that's represented in this room today. Lord, every family situation, every financial situation, every health situation. And Father, we thank you that you are more than enough. All of your promises are yes and amen. All of your promises. So Lord, we speak to bodies and we command them to be whole, to be healed. Lord, we speak to family situations and we command peace be still in the name of Jesus. Restoration and forgiveness, reconciliation in Jesus' name. Father, we speak to financial situations and we thank you, God, that you are our provider, Jehovah Jireh. Nothing is impossible with you. So we thank you, God, for providing for every financial need in this room today. Lord, we pray for those that are just oppressed. Lord, the enemy has been tormenting, lying, stealing. Father, we just pray for freedom, deliverance, joy, peace to overwhelm them in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. missed the last half of this verse, <clears throat> but it says in Proverbs, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. When the desire comes, it is a tree of life.
morning. So, Father, we just thank you tonight. We thank you for answered prayers. We thank you for the desires of our heart coming to pass, seeing them, and that you are establishing a tree of life in the midst of our circumstances. So, Lord, I just pray and declare over each person that's here tonight, faith, hope, joy, and peace in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, God bless you guys. We love you. So just remember when you're praying for stuff, have expectation that God's going to do it. And just keep on keeping on, as they say. Amen.